We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers won a couple of games this weekend that I wish were the uh, lead story. But unfortunately, Anthony Davis goes down with a foot injury on Friday night. And we haven't gotten official word from the Lakers yet, but he's reportedly out for a minimum of four weeks. We shall see uh, as more details come in. And before we get into the details of how this impacts the Lakers on a number of levels, in some way, that's what this podcast is going to be about for the the next little bit is surviving without Anthony Davis. I just wanted to give a quick word regarding AD. Earlier in the season, when we were two and 10 and kind of in that stretch, I kept saying, you know, this is the type of situation that we need a superstar to pull us out of. And that was for morale, just as anything else. I think last season and how that went really informed the beginning of the first part of this season. And it would have been very easy to start to give up and lose belief uh, and Anthony Davis's performance, uh, he really put the Lakers on his back for a good stretch that I think as we were figuring out who are the guys that we need to play, the style we need to play, just kind of the all of the trials of a new team and a new system and a new coach and everything that goes with that. He allowed us to win some games that we wouldn't have otherwise won because of his play and just his leadership on the court in his press conferences afterwards and all of that just was really stellar. And so get well, big fella. A lot of us are going to talk about how this impacts the team. He's somebody that really cares a lot that I don't think people realize the degree to which he does care. So, D, I just wanted to give some words on the front end to Anthony Davis, man, because he he held it down for us. And now it's time for us to do the same for him. Yeah, and I think that everything that you just said there, Pete, is totally 100% true, and I'm in agreement with all of that. And I think that team-centered approach is super important to, in terms of reflecting on what AD did. I'd like to just share a quick thing and just say, I hope that AD gets through this stretch sort of unscathed mentally. We know that yeah. he's dealing with whatever injury that he's dealing with, but that when you were talking about how much he cares 
the idea of not being able to play again for an extended period of time where this is basically the third consecutive year where he's had some sort of fluky thing happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. I, I still don't know the nature of the injury, so it's hard to say how it could have happened or what happened. Like I was looking for stuff on the replay and everything's looked sort of like inconclusive to me. Yeah. If I'm going to use like a replay term. Right. Um, like, did he bang it? Was it already sore a little bit? And when he planted it sort of exacerbated. I have no clue. So I don't even want to speak to that part of things. But. There is a like a lot of NBA players have talked about this, but I think Derek Rose is someone who who has spoken about this a, a little bit from like a sort of a quiet personality sort of dude and a guy who's not out there talking a bunch. And AD's not one of those guys who is out there talking a bunch, even if you know his face and yada, yada, yada. But it takes a toll on these guys when they are repeatedly put out of commission for whatever reasons and not able to play like we too often, Mike, think of these guys as the statistics on a score sheet or um, the product of um, an enabler of wins and losses. And it's always through the prism of performance, performance, performance. And players, I think, look at themselves that way, too. And they are built to perform. They are entertainers, but they are professional athletes. They know what the job is. And to have the job taken away is and your not your livelihood, but like a lot of people's are like wrapped up like this is where they get the juice from and to have that taken away or dashed even if it's for whether it's two weeks or four weeks or six weeks or longer who knows that that's the sort of stuff that weighs on you and so i'm just sending positive vibes to ad not so that the foot heals so that the lakers can be at their best but so that ad can be in the right space mentally that he needs to be in because that's what matters most within the context of like person to person and us as people. And so that's sort of where I'm at with all of that. Yeah. Ultimately, when you look at the last three seasons and everything that's happened since the bubble, they've been defined by either LeBron or Anthony Davis not being on the court and them not having a sustained run of health. And for LeBron being at the stage of his career, you know, it's one thing. And I think for Davis, he's the person that's most frustrated that it's been that way for him as well. And it hasn't been, you know, knocking on wood feels silly while he just got hurt again, but it hasn't been one of those, you know, major massive season ending type injuries. It's just been one that has kept him off the court for a decent amount of time and has not allowed him to build up that steady rhythm that it takes every player to play at that level in any sport. You need time, like time and days and weeks on the court to really hone your craft to the degree that we saw. We saw that paying off for the Lakers. And this is where you bring the larger context in for me, Pete. You know, AD being about as good as you could be, and the Lakers now being 13 and 16, and you could, you know, with the most recent two wins, several of those losses could have, should have, would have been wins. Maybe a couple that they won could have been losses, whatever. But they're, say their record is, even if it, if it, uh, the ball bounces a couple ways against Philly and Boston and they end up being about 500, you know, that's still far below what the expectation of what they want to be and where they want to get to. And now that he's going to be out for, as you guys mentioned, we don't know exactly how long you look once again at the standings, which we just did a whole podcast on, and you're trying to forecast what it's going to be like in a couple weeks, in a month, and where the play-in game Threshold is right now. The Lakers are only a game and a half back of the play in game. 
And let's see, of the six seed, they're about they're three and a half back. But all, those other teams that are above them, barring the Golden State Warriors and the Timberwolves, who are without Curry and Towns, um, have not had one of these major types of losses yet. So it's it complicates matters a lot, and it it's gonna maybe I mean maybe Pete, what I'd like to hear from you, and I'm sure you can go in your own direction, but is what do the Lakers do? Because this is a hole that they filled as a group against uh, in these last two games. But if it's going to be a more extended absence, uh, how do they stay connected? I mean, in the standings. So in terms of the standings, like I I have a, a very like I'm not looking as much at the other teams. I'm very much in a like we got to control what we can control. Um, and I think that this weekend and the way that the games went this weekend provide some degree of insight into how they can do that. I'm we are way more equipped to stay competitive, to win some games. In the pod that we recorded that you referenced, Mike, I had mentioned that, hey, you know, we've got a couple more tough games against Denver than uh, than Phoenix, which is the game that we're going to play tonight. And then we enter this stretch where every team that we play is either 500 or hovering around 500 or worse. And there are a bunch of winnable games within that. And so I, I describe that as kind of a window of opportunity for the Lakers. But that was before Anthony Davis got hurt. And now the the opportunity that the, the Lakers have is to stay attached, right? This isn't a brutal East Coast road trip where you're playing Milwaukee and Boston and Philly, right? The way that we just did. If we were coming up on that without Anthony Davis, that'd be very tough. Um, but these are games that we can win. And Darius, that starts with LeBron James. Um, we've talked a lot this year about what LeBron can and cannot do. He is really rounding into form, playing his best basketball of the season, four straight 30-point games, but it's in a multitude of ways he's contributing, Dean. Now, as a result of that, we're starting to see that plus-minus. He's a plus 10 in a game, a plus 26 the other night. He's really impacting the game in a multitude of ways, defensively, offensively, etc. And so we had this stretch earlier in the year without Anthony Davis, or I'm sorry, we had this stretch earlier in the year without LeBron, where Anthony Davis carried us to some wins to help dig us out of that two and 10 hole that we're still climbing out of this. If we're going to hold it down, it's going to be the the reverse of that, right? Where LeBron is leading us to some victories with AD down. And he did that this weekend. Lakers won a couple of games without AD. The Lakers really pulled away once AD actually went out of the game. Thomas Bryant was a big part of that, but this really to me all starts with the superstardom of LeBron and he's looked great lately. D he has. And I think, Leadership, I think, is the key phrase here because mm-hmm. LeBron James, I feel like, could be a 25, 5, and 5 player for who the hell knows how much longer, like three years? It's really years? amazing. Mm-hmm. It's truly insane. Just on its face to see a player his age be so productive. Like I saw something earlier today about players' points per game in their 20th season. And it was like, there's Vince Carter, and he averaged five points a game, right? And (laughs) then there's Dirk Nowitzki, and he averaged 12 points a game. And there's Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant averaged 17 points a game. And there's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Kareem averaged 10 points a game. And here's LeBron James, Mike, and he's averaging 27 points a game. And it's just sort of just like, oh, oh, okay, like you're something different. 
you're an anomaly. You're someone who with the three point shot and the strength and the power and all the craft and just the knowing he just seems to be able to be productive. Productivity is great. LeBron was productive earlier during the season, too, and his plus minus was not good. And his impact on the game was not very great. Like it was fine, but it was not LeBron level. And so I go back to leadership, Pete, and leadership is like, oh, on this possession, I am closing out hard and I am shading you in the right direction to funnel you towards where my help is. Leadership is like, oh, here comes Kuz barreling down the lane. I'm stepping up and I'm drawing a charge. Yeah. Right. Leadership is on this possession. I'm pointing everyone in the right direction. I'm running and I'm sprinting up and initiating the offense within a good amount of time frame. I am running back on defense. I am doing all of these little things that help contribute to winning. And I am using my voice and I am all of these like that's what being the best player is. Full engagement, body and soul. And yep. So when you were talking about AD earlier, Pete, that's what AD was doing. It's yep. not like, oh, like we, the numbers were eye-popping. 35 and 17 and, and 44 and 19. It's like unbelievable numbers, right? But to me, those numbers went hand in hand with a certain amount of like engagement and leadership where you were bringing people with you. And that's what LeBron has done the last couple of games, Mike. And I feel like that's what's going to be needed of him over this next stretch without AD. It is that, hey, guys, like I, I'm I've got the compass. I've got the map and you don't have to jump on my back, but I'm the one who's going to be at the front of the line and and follow me follow because me. I know yep. the way I know the way. And he is LeBron James. He does know the he does know the way. And, and so that's sort of where I'm looking most. It's not just the production because I feel like, like I said, LeBron can be productive regardless of, of what the circumstances is. He was super productive last season and whatever. Well, I've been thinking about, I mean, basically nonstop since the World Cup final, the greatest game in sports history. Messi. Yeah, talk to us about that real quick, Mike. I, thank you for bringing that up. I wanted to ask you, what are your your thoughts on the World Cup final? Well, the context is the context is about LeBron, and I was going to try to sneak a question to LeBron in. Um, we know he watched it because he was tweeting about it, and either in the post game walk off and like, ah, uh, you know, I, I really try to keep that to a tight three questions, and there was too much to ask him about. And then in the post game, I couldn't stay for the end of his session because I had to get to. Uh, he's always the last one to go, and I had to get to the air the airplane. Um, they would let, wait for LeBron, probably not for me. So I didn't get to ask him there. <laughs> but the way that Darius was talking about it, you know, so Messi, he was able to get the entire Argentinian squad, you know, to really not just kind of follow him, but adopt a way of playing, you know, where he's the fulcrum. And yet the reason that it was successful this year and not the past couple is because they had so many other good players and they had so many guys that could that, yes, they would complement and, and it all ran through and around Messi. And he was kind of the special factor, but it was just a really solid and a really good team regardless. And so it's this fine balance of, hey, follow my lead. Here's what I'm going to be out there doing consistently game after game after game. And that can win you games against even, even against really good competition, even with LeBron in year 20. But sustaining that over a longer period of time is so much more difficult 
And and I think part of why LeBron is not able to do the or not able is the wrong way of putting it, but why he's been emphasizing Anthony Davis and saying again last night, Anthony Davis is the best player now, or he like he is our main guy, is because that role was supposed to switch and he was supposed to hand at least some of that mm-hmm. off, not necessarily from a leadership position, but just from sort of an on the court, the way the team plays through somebody. And that's the difficulty now that I see, not just for whenever Davis comes back and then they have to figure out that balance again, but Davis has now been interrupted. And is he going to be in that same kind of rhythm when he returns? Well, I don't know. Cause it's not like he's, um, it's not like he's Dennis Schroeder or Thomas Bryant with a thumb and he can stay on his feet the whole time and even maybe you know, like do some shooting and et cetera. It's, if it's, it's the foot, then in theory, he's not going to be able to do as much on the court. Uh, and, and those are, these are now Pete. It's not just for me. It's not just about kind of getting through these next couple of games. I'm unable to not look at the bigger picture uh, and, and just thinking about how this is the kind of thing that the Lakers really can't sustain. Uh, in terms of the season at large. And that's that doesn't mean that they sh- that they won't try um, to optimize it. And I know that we'll spend several podcasts trying to figure out exactly what all these best options are. And Darvin Ham certainly working overtime. It's just that losing a, a key player in, the MB- in an NBA conference that's this tight when you're already at this point, three games below 500 is just such a difficult blow. And uh, I, I don't want to end it you know, up oh, podcast is over, season's over. It's not, it's not that. It's just trying to account for um, what the implications are of this moving forward, not just for AD, but for LeBron and then on down the rest of the roster. And of course, Argentina didn't have that. Like Messi played, stayed healthy the entire tournament. They didn't lose any other key players. And, and that was able to sustain them to the promised land like it did for the Lakers in 1920. Yeah, there's there's no way around it. This is a huge blow, right? Like I've been saying, AD is Atlas of the mythological figure that carried the world on his shoulders, right? Well, he's gone now. And so do we go hurtling through space? Had this happened two weeks ago, even Mike, three weeks ago, I I think we would have gone hurtling through space. I actually think we're a lot more equipped to deal with this now, though. And so let's take a break and come back and get into some of that on-court implications on, on how to move forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I love the Argentina and Messi um analogy there and what you said about having good players around him right like he was the guy that set the course but he had help and 
now that's gone. I don't know if there's an Anthony Davis analog on Argentina. Mike, is there a an AD on the Argentinian national team? Not no. There isn't. There isn't necessarily a second star. There's a bunch of other big time players, like big time international players. But the you know the presence of Messi is the best player ever. Like there isn't any. In, in the, again, LeBron is in the course that argument um, with Jordan. Right. But there isn't. Yeah, there isn't necessarily somebody that's right there. There are like eight guys though that are that are secondary stars um, for sure. It's it's a it's right. an incredible group of talent. But but not like the one. You know, not like the one A to his one to his one. Gotcha, gotcha. So that that provides a certain level of foundation around. Well, Messi's the foundation, right? But there's there's a level of support around him that you know that that equal that leads to it being a good team. If they just had Messi and everything else were in disarray, then they wouldn't have done what they what they did, right? And so, getting back to this year's Lakers team. The Lakers have started to really gel in terms of a style of play. Um, their their ball screen attack has been really impressive. Can isn't it remarkable that at the beginning of the season, guys, we were like a historically bad offense. And if you look at how well they've been producing over the last 10, 15 games, they're scoring at a high rate pretty consistently, right? And and so they're that they've been really good in transition. We've started to rebound better on the defensive glass. This is a big personnel issue. Gosh, I wish the pod, pod were longer because I would love to get into Max Christie. And there are all so many guys that we're uh, going to get into, I think, over the next couple of weeks. But the Lakers have really started to found, find who they are as a team. And D, regardless of the level of talent that you have on a team, you can get that group of guys to play good basketball that and basketball that suits their talents. And I, I've seen with the addition of Thomas Bryant, Right. This is a big TB weekend. The Lakers have really started to find themselves in transition in particular, where they're really leveraging like they kicked Denver's butt. Denver's a pretty good team. And they just ran Denver off the floor. And then the Wizards, I know, had lost nine straight coming into Sunday. I thought they were they don't play serious basketball all the time, but I thought they played serious basketball that night. And they had Bradley Beal back, who's a real handful as a scorer. Max Christie late minutes on him, right? Um, and so I thought it was a pair of good wins this weekend. And when you look at the schedule coming up in this four to six weeks or however it is for AD to come back, I don't know. There's some opportunities in there, but it starts with the Lakers having something of their own that they can carry from game to game. Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking about when Mike was talking, because I'm not familiar enough with with Argentina, but the sense of like, oh, these guys are good. They know what they're doing. And they were the scaffolding around all of the support beams that Messi represents, right? And, and so Messi is this massive structure that you build everything around, but you don't build a building just with like the steel beams that are on the inside, right? You need everything else around that. And so while I would not call Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryan and Lonnie Walker like secondary superstars the way that Mike described some of the Argentinian players – Right. I would say that those dudes are so much better than the players the Lakers had last season. Right. And so, like, Russ is a constant. Russ was on last year's team. Last year's team stunk. And LeBron was on last year's team. Last year's team stunk. And it was LeBron and Russ pretty much for large portions of the season because AD was hurt. And those teams trotted out a bunch of groups with where LeBron basically had to play center because they had no other bigs. And I was watching. 
Thomas Bryant really struggled in the first half against Washington. And I was, and we were just sort of just like, oh man, TB, like he needs to slow down a little bit. Like he's a little bit antsy, dropping some balls. Second half. Oh, look at that. Two big corner threes. Like, oh, look at that. He's doing some work on the backboards and he is running the lane and he's finishing inside. And that spirit that he, you had said, Pete, that TB never cheats the game. And he's always, he's always playing hard, even if it's not successful. And the Lakers aren't going to replace AD, but what they will do, and I'll be interested to see if this works for the Warriors as well, who have lost Steph Curry. And we talked about like, oh, what's that going to mean for them? And it's one thing when a guy is like, oh, he is, he plays his regular minutes and when he's out, things careen. Right. Because he is the sole purpose of of everything. It's a whole other thing when that dude's just not going to play at all. And now everyone else, their new role yeah. is like their new normal and they have to now fill in and do some some other stuff. So there's a lot of opportunity in that. If you look at the collection of individuals on this team, like Thomas Bryant over the next however long AD is out, can make himself a lot of money, get him a long term contract like if he plays well during this stretch and he does the like what he did in the Denver game, Mike, that is a huge opportunity. Dennis Schroeder, Lonnie Walker. These are all guys that like we think of them solely through the prism of the Lakers. Right. And I don't mean this from like a selfish point of view from their end, Mike, but like they're playing for their careers, too. They're at different parts of their careers where. AD going out, that's also 20 shots going out. It's the ability to shine. If the Lakers play well during this stretch, those guys are going to get the credit for that, right? And that's going to mean something for them the way that it did for Malik Monk getting a contract in Sacramento too, right? And so I, it's tough, Mike, but it's it's something that th- there's opportunity in this. There is, there is. Uh, it's to kind of to put the Argentina and the soccer analogy to bed here. And I, part of my point in making it is that it's not perfect. Like it's not, this is not a team that, in, for example, in Argentina, has so many good players around the world that they can fill out a squad full of you know 25 guys, and anybody that you bring off the bench is going to be an elite player. It's it's closer to the Team USA in terms of their basketball team, where if you know six or seven guys can't go, like no problem, you know just pluck pluck the six or seven back in there, and then part of their mission. Is to try and is is to try and get in this case it would be LeBron that had never won before and they would all be playing like with this just insane um, intensity and passion and aggressiveness and that is a different mix than an NBA regular season in which all of the other teams have incentives and then some of the incentives that you mentioned Pete where guys have at least a certain mm-hmm. individual incentive which is part of why some of those guys maybe came to the Lakers knowing that the payroll is, is occupying for the most part, three players and that, okay, well, but those three mm-hmm. players can't play all the minutes and their vets. So it is this, it's this whole different kind of mix. And, and ideally what you get to or where you get to is, is a player like Thomas Bryant, who is always going to play really hard, but then yes, like that does benefit him also. And it's just not, I think the issue is more when a guy this is where I guess I could bring Russ in where the way that Russ wants to play and the way that what he thinks is best for him, you know, which a lot of times is like getting triple doubles and having the ball the whole game. And like, that isn't always the thing that helps the team the best, especially depending on what the team structure is. And there's a little bit of dissonance there sometimes. Um, And 
you know, we saw that last night, like Russ didn't play in crunch time, be part, part of the way that he plays. And then just the shooting. And they were defending him with Chris Epps Porzingis. And Darvin Ham said, all right, I'm going to go with Austin Reeves, who's banged up clearly with the ankle and it's not moving well. And then Lonnie Walker, who got banged up. And, and yet those players were a little bit more able to just support LeBron as the fulcrum on offense. And they just scrapped it together enough defensively and did what you guys have been talking about, which is the the crackdown rebounding and the sandwich rebounding and the helping, although Daniel Gafford, you know, certainly had his way. And just all of these kind of these factors that had to go well to beat a Washington team that, you know, had lost nine in a row, albeit getting Beal back um, after he had missed six games. So it's a but Pete, yeah, you there are reasons to think that the Lakers can win games still and LeBron being the biggest one and guys playing hard and fighting for a, a spot in this league being another. And that's all they can think about right now. Like it's when you ask Darvin Ham about it, they, they, they just have to think about staying afloat and then keeping that hope that Anthony Davis comes back sooner than later. Uh, and, and they can figure it out that way. One of the things Mike is that I'm just looking at it from a talent perspective and like, what do these guys do well? And can they do those things well enough over the course of a full game within the ask of them in order to help the team stay in enough games where they can win and not be like, okay, well, it, I'm making up numbers here. AD misses 14 games, 16 games. He misses 16 games. Like, are the Lakers going to be 4-12? and 12? Or are they going to be closer to 7-9? and nine? Or 8-8? Eight and eight? Or even 9-7? and seven? The Lakers have enough to, and Darvin Ham will say this, and sometimes this is coach speak and sometimes it's real talk. The Lakers have a, they have a baseline of talent with six or seven guys who I think can actually play in this league and be contributors to winning basketball. Mm-hmm. Austin Reeves is one of those players. Lonnie Walker is one of those players. Thomas Bryan is one of those players. I think increasingly Max Christie is one of those players. I think Troy Brown is one of those players. Wenyon. Pat Bev, in his own way, is one of those players. And there's a lot of, you're never going to replace AD, but what you will have is opportunity, and Pete, you use this word, is opportunity for guys to step in and play their own games. And so one of the one of the interesting things that I'm going to be watching for is Thomas Bryant is not a very good defensive player when guys are attacking him in and going right at him. Right. He really struggled in pick and roll coverages. And mm-hmm. then he started to then challenge shots that he shouldn't challenge. And that's how Gafford got some of those offensive rebounds that Mike was talking about. And there is just a lack of like pop athletically from him in a in space. TB is great at running in a straight line. He is not great at moving from side to side and then elevating while like while changing direction. That's not what he does. Right. And so but what TB does do is like he runs. He runs the floor like so all the stuff that that I just said that TB can't do. That's all the stuff that AD does great, particularly on defense. And so it stands out so much. It's just like, oh, my God, look at TB. He's getting taken advantage of defensively. Right? It's just such a yeah. huge difference. But then I watched TB sprint the damn floor, and he's running side by side with Russell Westbrook, who is racing up the court. Like side by side with him. And he's doing this possession after possession after possession. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen AD run the floor like that 
a dozen times all season. Nope. And TB is doing it 20 times a game. Right. And so there is a yep. there is a thing of like, well, this is what I do. I do this thing. And this thing, this thing can be helpful. Now that changes what you are as a group a little bit. And this is where LeBron's mm -hmm. adaptability and his like, oh, I can be anything. That's where I'm super appreciative of LeBron and why I think he is that special sort of player who can guide this specific group, Pete, and say, oh, we can accept more Dennis Schroeder usage here. We can run pin downs for Lonnie Walker. We can run pick and rolls with Austin Reeves. We can do all of this stuff. These things are within these players' skill sets. And me, as LeBron James, I can do anything. And that's where I don't know what that's going to mean for the team. I don't know how many games are going to win, Pete. But to me, that's the path. It's like, oh, these players, they're NBA players. They can do stuff. The stuff that they do mm -hmm. isn't going to be what AD does. No one does that stuff. Three guys no. in the world do that stuff. So that's sort of where I am. It's like, do the things that you do and where can we kind of turn up the volume on that? And so like, Mike, you brought up the dissonances with Russ that I think have really shown themselves. And also like Russ didn't close either of the games this weekend. And he was really good in the Denver game. He was one of the better plus minus guys in that game. And he still didn't close. So I'm curious if Darvin is at a point where he's like, yeah, Russ doesn't fit with that last group. And he could totally have a good game in the middle of the game and run those groups. But I'm not going to go to him to close because he didn't go to them to him in either game this weekend. So just something to keep an eye out on. But one place where there's harmony is Russell Westbrook and Thomas Bryan in transition. There've been so many plays over the last couple of years where like Russ pushed the pace where he was supposed to push the pace and there was a good opportunity, but only like one other dude ran with him. The way that Thomas Bryant runs the court, the way that Wenyan Gabriel runs the court. And I think having Wenyan back, like in that Wizards game, a big reason, a, a big portion where we were struggling, I thought was in the Damian Jones spot, right? Now Jones had four dunks in the first half. He got a couple of block shots or contests that I thought he did a nice job on, right? So I, he, I thought he did okay, but like Wenyan's just a better player than he is. And so that's a, a part of the game that I think that we need Wenyan back in order to survive this stretch, Mike. Like we need both Wenyan and TB, but I really agree with Darius's point that it's like not about trying to replicate Anthony Davis so much as it is where are the things that you do well, where does that fit in with another guy that also does that thing well? And then together you really have something. And so those rim runs with TB and Russ, like they really gel in that respect. And so just finding things like that, where who Dennis really has a good two man game with things like that, Mike, I think are, are really important. It's a good point. Wenyan is somebody, uh, I, I like Wenyan. He's just a, a good dude. And uh, you know, he's been warming up in these last couple games. And so I'll be down there about to do a hit or something. And by the way, shout out to Lawrence Tanner, uh, 40 years uh, of being the best in the league. He had a ceremony yeah. at the at the arena yesterday, which was dope. Um, so shout out to LT because that's one, that's why I was standing Hell where yeah. I was standing and when Wenyan came by. And, you know, he, he looks good. Like he's shooting the ball normally. He's moving around normally. I think that it was more of a can they get him to the point of getting some contact and kind of seeing how it holds up from there. But it did seem like it was close. Uh, and, and in fact, like I haven't checked yet with the um with the staff if he's if they've ruled him in or out today and i'm about to finish writing uh, my story so i will by the time you guys hear this this will be out so i guess just check the twitter account probably but you know getting him back and papering through what pete you had you had made a point of looking at the schedule which is typically my favorite thing to do uh, but since you already did it 
forget my earlier point about how this is not ideal for AD and his rhythm and all that when he comes back and it's going to put more of a load on the sure. and blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you just make your point about what the schedule looked like? And I know you don't want to look at all the rest of the teams in the conference, but just for me, for my sake, because that's what I do every day. Uh, it's fun. Where are you at with that? And how, how much, how closely can the Lakers keep um, within, within reach if these things end up going at least somewhat where you think they could go in terms of the rotation and, and guys stepping up in different places? So I think we can go about seven and nine. That's about the median record that I'd, I'd put us at, uh, you know, plus minus a game or two in, in either direction. And it's important, right, that it's in a, a positive direction. But the teams that we're playing, like we've got Charlotte a couple of times. We've got Orlando, who won six straight, including two straight against Boston, right? So in even a game like the Wizards, right, and Darvin was speaking about this afterward, the, and you've talked about this on the pod, Mike, that like the talent level around the league is the number of nights off where you can really mail it in and then just turn it on for 10 minutes and win the game. Like those are fewer and, f- and further between these days. And so these are, there are no games that are like, oh yeah, that's an easy victory, right? But there are a few games where it's like, yeah, we should still win that game. Or their game is against teams that are around 500 where it's like, we should be in that game. We're going to have to play well. You know, a few guys are going to have to step up, but I think that it's within their capability, right? And so that's what I look at, Mike. I, I look at about a seven and nine record. And so where does that put that, put us in context when AD gets back? You know, are we two, three games out of the play-in at this point? And then what does that mean? There's a whole conversation to be had on like, the on like from front office perspective and trades and how do we approach that now with the 80s injury that we'll have on a on, at a different time but that's what i'm thinking mike is, is right around that seven and nine mark seven and nine would be ideal i'm this is where i want to bring it back to lebron before we we close out because earlier during the season pete when you talked about ad carrying the team this really is the stretch where the Lakers are going to need the best of LeBron. Now, normally you want him like peaking towards the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying LeBron needs to be going 38 minutes a night or anything like that. But this upcoming month, and who knows how long AD is going to be out. But I'm just saying this upcoming month from now to I think in the middle part of January, starting on January 12th when the Lakers play at Dallas. So they are on, the, on January 9th, they are at Denver. And then going to come home. And then they only have one road game in between the 10th and the 27th. And Mm. it's at Portland. So they don't leave the West Coast. The rest of those games are at home. They play home against Dallas. They've got a back-to-back Philly-Houston. They've got Sacramento. They've got Memphis. There's good teams in there. And so I don't want to make it seem like, oh, well, that's the part of the schedule in which, no, I'm just saying that. That's the stretch where the Lakers are going to be at home. They're not going to have a lot of travel. And I'm looking for this next month for LeBron to be as engaged as he's been all season and really take up that leadership mantle of, like, I'm with it. And and so that's kind of where I'm at, Mike. Like, throw the record out for a second. Just perspective and mindset is what I'm looking at most because that's how I think this team is going to survive this stretch regardless and come through out on the other side together as a group rather than potentially fractured. I agree with that. And so with LeBron as kind of the orchestrator and the director and the brains of the operation out there, those home games and that home stretch to me is where the Lakers have a lot of guys that I think the crypto.com arena crowd Mm. will respond to in terms Mm -hmm. of just effort and energy. 
which is which is something where I always got so annoyed with that whole like the whole Clipper campaign with the you know spotlight not or streetlights <laughs> not spotlights thing. It's like the the crowd in there, and especially as you go up, is very like hardworking, you know, and very like very like they they really do want even yes, there's the stars that the Lakers have, but there's a real grit. Um, I think to the fan base mm-hmm. as well that's been built over time and like mm-hmm. knowing how you win NBA games. And so when they see Thomas Bryant and Wenyan Gabriel and Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder like busting their ass. And then, by the way, shout out Max Christie, um, who <laughs> mm-hmm. we should probably have a whole pot on. Uh, I talked to him a little bit about his shooting, um, which we were discussing yep. yesterday, which I need to fill you guys in on. And he's now eclipsed Kendrick Nunn in the rotation, which I yeah. think helps a lot. Uh, and but that's that's the kind of wave I think that the Lakers have to ride on. And yeah, whatever the team is, you know, LeBron's out here to to manage, but everyone else is just going to bust their ass. And it's very difficult to sustain that. But that is what they need uh, until Anthony Davis is able to come back, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it was um, streetlights, not spotlights. I think it was something like <sighs> they had like those billboards. Board. Yeah, it was billboards. It was billboards all over L.A. You drive down the 10, you drive down the 405, you drive all over Los Angeles. Those dumbass billboards, like <laughs> such a such a bad campaign. So bad. Shout out to Clippers Gay Bops. <laughs> Anyways, so tonight we're in Phoenix, right? Mike's already there. Looking for an Ethernet cable. Hopefully you can find one at the arena, Mike. I'll be interested to see what happens if Aiton plays or or if not. But like I'm just looking for at, to close this out, Pete, what Mike was saying, like, because effort is effort and energy and playing that that way. That's the thing that's just like the home crowd will juice that up. But it's like that's the most yep. portable thing you can have in the NBA is like the thing that we can control. And that's what I'm looking for tonight from the Lakers against the Suns is just play hard and compete. Well, and that's one of the things, too, with our fan base. Like we got a portable fan base, too. If you ball out and you play that way on the road and you go on a little 10 nothing run, you don't think the gym's going to be rocking. But just with the (laughs) Laker fans that get to see that one game per year, that one of two games per year, the Lakers Lakers roll through. We got seven out of eight on the road. So like. That that if you can bring that on the road, that spirit and that energy, this is also a part of the season where you can win games solely because you your guys are playing hard. And we got a bunch of guys that like that's what they do. That is central to their foundation is Thomas Bryant is going to run the freaking court every single time. And you can win some games in December and January that way. So, all right, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk about how the Phoenix game went. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, missing. It's over. Shot clock now to five. 
2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.